Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Forrest in the paint throws back out to Rodney. Jazz reset with a 24. Rodney goes right down. Wilshire Boulevard and cocks the left hand and hammers. Oh, Rodney, don't do me like that. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 6th of December. The Jazz with their 6th in the last 7 with a group effort against the Lakers. Igor Kokoskov coaches the Jazz to the win. We'll talk about that and where has the defense gone? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, part of Locked On Jazz. Wait a sec. It's Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks very much for tuning in to today's show and catching what's going on. Jazz win last night over the Lakers. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Sherlock Intelligence, as well as SeatGeek. Use the promo code LOJAZZ and get your $20 back as a rebate on your first purchase. All right, so uh, today's show will look at the win last night over the Jazz, the circumstances around Quinn Snyder being ill and Igor Kokoskov coaching the game. Uh, a little slippage on the defensive end. Jazz are winning games offensively. We'll touch on that. And at the quarter pole of the NBA season, we'll look at the standings because usually 14 of the 16 teams are in playoff position. So that's the plan on today's show, Tuesday edition. We always like to start it off with pins across the world. So let us please do that. By the way, thank you very much for subscribing on iTunes and uh, five-star reviews are much appreciated. Jazz are home tonight, Thursday against the Warriors, Saturday against Oklahoma or against Sacramento, Wednesday against Oklahoma City, and Friday against Dallas. So long Almost two-week homestand here for the Jazz to make hay, but also for you to come out and see the Jazz. Tickets are available at utahjazz.com. Uh, let's head out to Eric Coons. Put a pin in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I grew up watching the Jazz every chance I got. I was born in Orem, Utah, but spent most of my growing up years in Oregon. I remember the day Stockton sent the Jazz to the NBA Finals like it was yesterday. I only started listening to the Locked On podcast about eight months ago, but I completely love listening to your take on the best team in the NBA. So on behalf of Eric Coons, put a pin in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and you can send me your pin at dlock09 at gmail.com. dlock09 at gmail.com. Dot com. Thanks very much to Eric. Uh, so the Jazz last night, <clears throat> our tip-off story of the day, just got a solid win on, over a short-handed, uh, limited Lakers team that tried a funky starting lineup that just didn't work in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I like the effort and the idea by Luke, but it wasn't a good one. Uh, and so the Jazz win at 107-101, uh, blow them out in the third quarter. It was... 
it was a the Jazz played about five minutes of spurt defense last night. Was, uh, they came out, opened the third quarter, played defense at the level they needed to. Otherwise, it was just an up and down. We're going to outscore you game. Uh, the Jazz offensive rating at the end of the night was 118, which is brilliant, and their defensive rating was 112, which is not brilliant. League average is 103.7, and the Jazz want to be under 100. So they really did not have a great shutdown defensive game. The one area that you want to keep an eye on there is that the Jazz last year did not defend the best offensive teams very well. So that's, you know, our defense when we're facing a not very good offensive team has shown that we're really able to just hammer them and shut them down and take them out of everything they're doing. But we have not shown that we're a particularly good defensive team uh, defending really good offensive teams. I'm not sure the Lakers actually totally count on that end. Uh, And Phoenix tonight comes in as, I'm pulling it up, the... Uh, they're going to go up and down, but they're only the 22nd-ranked offensive team in the league. They just play a really, really fast pace to score their points. So probably, uh, you know, an opportunity for the Jazz to to try to help their defensive rating tonight. If, you, if they don't play defense again tonight, probably a little concerning, but they've won 6 of 7. But th- that's the kind of thing that comes and bites you. Last night was just a really good, solid, balanced effort. Uh you know, Luke Walton said after the game, they hit a bunch of shots of got from guys we were trying to get take them. And he's talking about Boris Diaw going five for five and Dante Exum going four for five. And Shelvin Mack going four for nine oh, with two threes. And, you know, if the Jazz can get that, they win almost every night. That's very much kind of the premise behind Pack. That uh, if you can have your guys... That aren't that the other team is going to leave leave open, make shots. You you become deadly because the rest of the Jazz players, Hayward, Hood, Rudy around the rim, Joe Johnson off the bench, Joe Joe Ingles the way he's playing, are not guys the teams are going to give shots to. Trey Lyles is probably not a guy they're going to give shots to, and so therefore when they are sagging off as obviously as they were last night on Dante and Boris, it's it's important for them to make shots. Boris distributing out of the post is just terrific. I think he's had three or more assists in five of the last seven games. He's just, you know, that's part of last night. Is the Jazz had a season-high 26 assists last night. And uh, 38 field goals. And five from Rodney, five from Gordon, four from Boris, seven from Shelvin. The assists were, were really a big deal in, in how the Jazz played last night. Because what's interesting about that, is the game felt as though the Jazz were playing almost entirely one-on-one basketball against the Lakers. The Lakers came out with this bizarre starting lineup of Brandon Ingram at the point guard with Meta World Peace as the shooting guard. Luel Dang as the small forward. Julius Randle as the center. And Timothy Mozgov as the the center. Some combination of that. Uh, it didn't work. In the 12 minutes World Peace was on the floor, they were outscored by 26 points. So it was absolutely a miss on Luke's part. But what the reason was is he went through switching one through five, and then when you switched on to Boris or Dante, you sagged off and clogged everything else up. It's a pretty good strategy. It felt as though, while calling the game, that the Jazz had gotten caught into this one-on-one battle. But the fact is, what they had done is got caught in this one-on-one battle. And then, as Zach Guthrie said to us at halftime, they broke the paint but not necessarily for themselves to score. They broke the paint, sagged the defense, then kicked, and the Jazz uh, got you know got really good looks out of it. The three-point shooting, the Jazz just continues to be uh, incredible. It's why they're so good offensively. Over the last 
four games, they're 54 of 115. So they're hitting 50, 47% of their threes. More than that, they're just taking a ton, which is probably the number that actually matters far more is the fact that they're taking a ton. Uh, the Jazz have done a really nice job of staying in the top ten all year long of three points attempt, three point shots attempted. Uh, interesting story uh, from Trey Lyles yesterday that Trey, uh, the reason his shot got back in in line, is that over the holidays his dad was in town. His dad's been kind of his trainer and his coach and his his mentor the whole his whole career. Really, you know, very close relationship. Really works him. That's why he's so fundamental. Why he has such versatile skills. And his dad was in town, and they had some late-night sessions in the gym uh, at the practice facility, and uh, he restored Trey's confidence and restored some uh, physical aspects of his shooting motion and and got it done. So really uh, nice kind of family story there uh, for Trey Lyles. But overall, this this performance is just a balance. Gordon had 23, seemed to have an easy 23, six points, five rebounds, two assists. I mean, we got we got to think about that for a second. By the way, we got we got to make sure we understand where we've gone here on Gordon Hayward. That last night's outing by Gordon: twenty three points, six rebounds, five assists, and two steals. Now just became mm, a regular old game uh, from Gordon. That's. That's an eye-opener. I mean, if you think back last year and uh, everything that he did uh, and and how he played all year, he was not a guy that went over 20, you know, with regularity. In fact, uh, he went over 30 three times all of last year and did it in three straight games this year. He went over 20, 43 of the... Uh, 80 games he played last year. So he was kind of an every other over 20 guy. He's now over 20 every game except for three in the middle. I I can't get into details. It's explainable. That three-game slump after Memphis, there was it made some sense if you uh, what was going on with the finger and everything. And when he came, he's come out of that. He has now stretched out uh, to score 20 in 13 of the 16 games he's played this year. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, and then you just start kind of looking at the level of consistency. He's got five rebounds in 13 of the 16 games. He has five or more assists in seven of the of the 16 games. It's really – it's just tremendous to see where he is as a player. And it's the consistency that we're now getting out of Gordon, out of Rudy, and out of Rodney that's the key to this team because George Hill's going to be that consistent too. And you suddenly have four guys – who are putting in similar numbers every single night, and you really, you really become very, very good. Uh, Rudy's consistency is just terrific. This is, you know, Rudy and Rodney. I said it all year. These were the two guys I thought were going to make the biggest jumps because they're starting for a second time. And 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 it's just, you know, it's it's showing to be true. Uh, Rudy's got uh, I think five of the last six is a double double. His last 10 games, he's averaging well over 12 and 12. Last 10 games, he has at least two blocks in every game, the longest streak going in the NBA. He's got 10 rebounds or more in seven straight and 12 of 14. The level of consistency that you're getting from him and from Rodney are are just completely different. 
It's a huge, 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 huge step uh, for the Jazz. Today's show is uh, sponsored by Sherlock Intelligence. Uh, Sherlock Intelligence is a data company out of Bountiful, Utah. And they're there for you as the company that either one of two scenarios I think of most often when I think of how Sherlock can help you out. One is if you're the small or middle-sized business and you're trying to compete in some sort of landscape with big companies. So if you're a credit union, smaller bank, you're trying to compete with Chase and Wells Fargo, well, they know all the data. They have all the information on all their customers, and for you to not have it is hard. It makes it very, very difficult for you to do business. But it's expensive, right? Well, that's where Sherlock Intelligence comes in. They are able to uh, get multiple sources for your data, give you a holistic picture of what's taking place, and then they're able to know your customers, find the patterns, and help you grow your profits. Capture the data, visualize the data, analyze the data. The other scenario is if you're in a field where people aren't using it and you want to be the money ball person who is finding the inefficiencies in the marketplace and being ahead of everyone else and making that jump by using Sherlock Intelligence. Give them a call at 855-339-7774. That's 855-339-7774. That's Sherlock Intelligence. You can go to SherlockIntelligence.com. As well, uh, I mentioned it kind of offhand, uh, but some of the defensive numbers are not great recently. So, if you were to look at a uh, the defensive metrics on a given night, uh, any defensive performance in which the Jazz put out that's under a hundred is really an elite level performance. They have not done that since the Denver Nuggets and the Atlanta Hawks game. Now, this might be related to George Hill. Okay. Um, you know, that, that, that might be more truth to it than, than anything else is that this is actually related to whether or not George Hill plays. And, uh, I've done the research on it. It's incredible how George Hill's presence is able to change where shots come from, uh, who's getting, where the, who's getting the shots and, uh, how efficient those shots are. So there's definitely, you know, without Obviously, if you get Derek back, uh, who does sound like he's really working toward it, uh, it could be something to that. So that the Houston, you know, uh, but we fooled ourselves a little bit because uh, George, uh, I believe, did not play the Denver and Atlanta games in which the defense was was stifling. Uh, oh, no, he, he did play those. Excuse me. He came back again, played Denver, Atlanta, Minnesota, Houston. So it's Miami, Denver, um are the games that he most recently has, the last three he has not played. Uh, Miami and Houston, when George played, the defensive rating still wasn't great. Houston's 106, but uh, or 109, but Houston's pretty good offensively. Minnesota was a 106. Again, they're pretty good, but you weren't able to keep them much below their average or held them to their average. Then the Miami loss was the worst defensive night of the year. Denver, they held them to a 101.9, which is okay. And last night, the Lakers were at a 108.5. So it's just a little slip. It's not anything too significant, um, but it's worth kind of keeping a note on. Uh, last night, the uh, defending the shot was great. They just weren't as where the flaw was a little bit was in defensive rebounding, and that may be just unique to a not very good team that has Tariq Black and Thomas Robinson and some players like that. Uh, they've picked up a little bit in forcing some more turnovers, which is better. And then they fouled a little bit too much last night, which probably is a is largely a sign of of George. So uh, nothing 
But the, their winning games, maybe more importantly, let's flip it around the other side, and, and they have not played uh, the best collection of defensive teams recently. That's probably something that we should be really clear about. But the the, the offense, so this could be couched uh, just as much as a positive. I think that we've become, or at least I've become so used to the defense winning games that when suddenly uh, it happens the other way, it's a little surprising to me. But if we were to look at who we have faced defensively, these are not particularly uh, good teams. But still, let's compare what the Jazz have done offensively to these teams' offensive ratings. Um, so in in the recent stretch where the Jazz have won uh, six of their last seven, they, they actually, the Atlanta Hawks, um, they were right on what the Hawks average is. The Hawks, the second best defensive team uh, in the league. But boy, have they fallen apart. Uh, we, I'm hoping to have the coach on today, by the way, on Lockdown NBA. And uh, if we do, we'll talk about the Hawks uh, failure. Uh, Minnesota, we had a 119 offensive rating against a league average about 103. Um, seven, anything you know over 110 is incredible. There's not a defense that allows 110. Uh, and the Jazz, again, that night had a 119. So they were 13 points above 100 possessions, better than what my Minnesota usually allows. They put a 132 on Houston. Houston's not good defensively. They're 20. Minnesota, by the way, is about 23rd in the league defensively. Houston's about 25th in the league. But they allow 107, and the Jazz put up 132. Uh, Miami's actually a pretty half-decent defensive team. They're about 10th in the league or so. They're better than average. The Jazz put up a 127 offensive rating. <laughs> the offensive numbers are just incredible. And maybe, by the way, if your offense is this good, you don't feel like you need to play as good a defense. Uh, Denver, uh, who is not a great defensive team, about 20, 22nd in the league or so. Uh, the Jazz put up a 113.7, and the Lakers were 28th in the league. The Jazz put up a 114.1. So the Jazz have got a collection since Atlanta of five straight games against bad defensive teams, but they have torched them. And in turn, the Jazz are now ranked, I believe, seventh in the league offensively. Uh, they're still at eighth. The defense has slipped to fifth. But uh, pretty awesome offensive explosion uh, by this team. Only the Warriors, who are at historical levels, Toronto, Houston, Cleveland, Clippers, Spurs, and Portland are point one ahead of the Jazz. Uh, and then the Jazz and the Jazz are 1.1 ahead of Boston at 8. So there's a, there's a little bit of a gap there. Uh, and the Jazz are two points better than the 11th player, 100 possessions on the 11th team in the league, and three points better than the 12th. So there's a big offensive elite jump uh, right about where the Jazz are. And the Jazz are on the bottom end of it, but they're an elite offensive team. Kind of cool to see. Uh, so that that's a new twist to who the Jazz are, is that they've become kind of an elite-level offensive team, Quinn Snyder's style of play uh, coming together. That was unique last night. Uh, Quinn Snyder so sick that he could not coach the team. And uh, he was just, I mean, I don't know how he got home off the plane last night. He uh, he was seriously, I mean, it was crazy what he, he, he just, I, I'm not, he, it's as bad as I've ever seen him look. Uh, so hopefully he'll be okay. Um, the, uh, I, I don't know if he'll coach tonight. He, he was, it was just crazy. I, I really thought Igor Kokoshkov did a nice job. Uh, I thought he, 
just kind of the timeouts when you thought rotation was a little different. He switched up a few things rotation wise, but he got guys back in. He rode them a few more minutes than maybe uh, Quinn would have. I think he wanted to make sure he won. There's a heck of a lot of pressure on that to win that game. Uh, so I think that, you know, I think that when you just solid work, he's been the head coach of the Georgian national team. Uh, he's currently the head coach of the Slovenian national team. He's got a lot of experience. You could tell he was comfortable doing it. And, uh, he really, I, I, I'd have to say was, uh, was solid and he's probably Quinn's longest and most trusted assistant. A uh, very interesting man. Uh, was the first ever, it was elite European Yugoslavian player that at 19 years old had a car accident, uh, became a coach at 22, coached on one of the elite teams in Europe, uh, then became, uh, then went to Missouri with Quinn Snyder as the first ever European Division One coach, and then moved to the NBA where he became the first ever uh, European coach to win part, an NBA title as an assistant to Larry Brown. And uh, and from there he uh, has now you know moved around the NBA and is with the Jazz and unofficially got his first coaching victory uh, last night. If you're heading out to an event, whether it's a concert or a, a show or anything of that sort, uh, the best way to do it is SeatGeek. It's it's really an example of modern technology being able to uh, simplify what used to be kind of a, a, a pain in the butt process, frankly. So SeatGeek is an app on your phone, and you just go download it at the Play Store or your um, App Store. And when you get it, the coolest part about it is that they pull all the tickets from all the sites into one place for you. So no longer are you checking multiple different places to see where you can get the the best ticket price. The second thing that they've done with technology is they've graded every ticket score uh, in the arena. So every ticket in the arena that's available for you has a ticket score rather than you trying to figure out what's best. So if you want to go to the Jim Gaffigan show on Friday, I went this week, it was last week, it was great. You can go to the SeatGeek app, you look at it, and you see where they are, and they give you the, the grade for different ticket scores, and you can see that you know the ones that are big, huge green circles are better deals uh, than others. And then it's a secured process, and it's guaranteed, so you don't have to worry about being ripped off. Those are the three really big reasons why I use SeatGeek uh, for my events and why you should as well. Weber State, BYU game, they're, they're down as low as 6 bucks. Um, so you can kind of figure out what, whether you want to go to that one. They've got the good ticket scores for you. Uh, they show you what's available in, in different sections of the, of the Marriott Center uh, to see that one. And just go to your phone, download the SeatGeek app. It's free. Then go to the settings tab, add the promo code LOJAZZ. And when you add the promo code LOJAZZ, SeatGeek will send you $20 after your first purchase uh, of using SeatGeek. So uh, the first one, to some extent, is on us. So check it out, whether it's Leanne Rimes, seeing a little leftover salmon at the depot, Seeing BYU Weber or seeing the Jazz, uh, use SeatGeek and the promo code LOJazz. Uh, an interesting thing over the years in the NBA is that the 20 game marks actually really important. The quarter poll tells you a little bit of where everybody stands. Uh, and we're here. And seven of the eight teams in each conference are likely the correct playoff teams. And really, you can see the separation happening. In the East, Cleveland's one, Toronto's two, Boston at twelve and nine is up to three. Excuse me. Charlotte is twelve and nine at four. New York's the surprise team here at five. Chicago's six at eleven and nine, having lost two in a row, and have Rajon Rondo getting in a fight with Jim Boylan. Uh, 
Number seven is Milwaukee. Number eight is Detroit. So Atlanta is suddenly out, which I don't think any of us expected. Indiana's out, which I did expect. Orlando's knocking on the door. Still going to be a fight there, but the expectation, and Chris Middleton comes back, Reggie Jackson comes back. I would think the Knicks are the team to fall out. But to their credit, Jeff Hornacek has them rolling. They've played, they're nine and three at home, though, and two and six on the road. Uh, I always like to look at who's played well against uh, above 500 teams because that'll expose you a little bit. Boston's only three and five against above 500 teams, so they've only played eight teams against above 500. Milwaukee's four and six. Detroit has played 15 of their 22 games against above 500 teams. Um, and Orlando's only played eight of their games against above 500 teams. So there's a softness to what they've done uh, scheduling-wise. Over in the West, obviously the Warriors, Spurs, Clippers are one, two, three. Rockets are at four, probably there to stay. They're pretty good. OKC is at five. That's an incredible story that they have found a way to win the way they're winning right now. Uh, and they are... Five and five against above 500 teams. Memphis is six. Another amazing story that they're finding a way to win without Mike Conley. The Jazz are seven at four and six against 500 teams. Portland is now eight. I, I think that eight holds. Uh, I don't think, the, and I actually don't think it's going to be close. <clears throat> I don't. I don't think the Lakers are are ten and thirteen right now and and heading the other direction. Lake the Denver's eight and thirteen has not shown. A personality that's willing to defend. Sacramento is dysfunctional. The Pelicans are coming, but they're eight games below 500. It's a long run back. Minnesota's insanely talented, but just watching them a lot recently, they just make enough mistakes every night to lose games. So I actually think there's a chance <clears throat> maybe that two of the teams in the uh, Eastern Conference drop out because I think all eight in the West are going to hold. And so the fight's going to be for positioning. All right, that is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thank you to Sherlock Intelligence and to SeatGeek, promo code L-O-Jazz for $20 uh, back on your uh, first purchase. All right, that is the show. We'll be back with you. Pre-game Periscope coming to you at 6 o'clock with Ron Boone from the arena. And uh, if you haven't got them already, Postcast, Empty the Noggin, and Jazz Game Rewind are all available for you to recap last night's game. Enough content for you to take you through the day, and then we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Jazz have won six of seven and are home for the week. Hope you come out and buy tickets at utahjazz.com. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.